You're listening to the Quince podcast. On the eve of US Secretary of Defense Lloyd J Austin's visit to India, the chairman of US Senate Foreign Relations Committee, Bob Menendez, urged Secretary Austin to raise concerns about India's quote-unquote deteriorating situation of democracy. Secretary Austin's visit, which started on 19 March, is the maiden visit by a high-ranking member of the Joe Biden administration, and he is expected to meet Defense Minister Rajnath Singh, External Affairs Minister S J Shankar, and other senior officials. In this letter to Austin, Menendez noted, and I quote, Getting the US-India partnership right is critical to addressing 21st century challenges. And that includes urging the Indian government to uphold democratic values and human rights. The criticism is certainly not the latest comment on India's democracy. The most recent coming from a US-based human rights watchdog, Freedom House, which slated India from free to partly free in its annual report on global political rights and liberty. The center termed the Freedom House report as misleading, incorrect, and misplaced. Minister Jay Shankar further slammed the report and called the outlets for their hypocrisy. The letter from the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, which is a very influential government body on US foreign policy, does raise the question on how the center should handle criticism from external bodies and governments and where its response is warranted. To discuss how the Indian government should engage in foreign critics, in today's episode, I spoke with Vivek Kadju, who served as a former secretary of West at the Ministry of External Affairs. Get tuned in to the Big Story, the podcast where we dissect the headline-making news for you, and I'm your host, Emmat. Among his concerns, Senator Menendez cites a crackdown on journalists and critics of the Indian government, its handling of the farmers' protest, the use of sedition laws, and the Citizenship Amendment Act. The letter further reads and I quote, "Moreover, in recent years, rising anti-Muslim sentiment and related government actions like the Citizenship Amendment Act, the suppression of political dialogue and arrest of political opponents following the abrogation of Article 370 in Kashmir and the use of sedition laws to persecute political opponents have resulted in the US human rights group Freedom House stripping India of its free status in its early global survey." On 15 March, Indian External Affairs Minister S J Shankar had dismissed the negative assessments of India's democratic status by Freedom House and Swedish Institute BDEM. He stated that the country does not need "quote unquote" homilies and certification from, and I quote, "self-appointed custodians of the world who find it very difficult to stomach that somebody in India is not looking for their approval." According to Mr Vivek Kadju, who served as a former Secretary West at the Ministry of External Affairs. The criticism from Senator Menendez on the farm laws was inappropriate. However, he believes that the center needs to have a process of engagement with foreign bodies and governments and can't dismiss the statements made. I think uh, in such situations it is normal that the government puts forward uh, its viewpoint and uh, it uh, clarifies uh, its thinking and the steps that it has taken. Now, this does not mean endorsement of what the foreign critic is saying it doesn't mean acceptance of foreign criticism but it is a, as in the diplomacy that i have been brought up this is part of how a democratic government engages its international partners mm. and other states and even uh, international liberal opinion the ngos for example it engages them openly put forward its point of view and and this through this process of engagement it seeks to uh, 
to very often convince the other side that, look, uh, we are not departing from our essential democracy, that we are adhering uh, to the essential principles and the basic principles of our democracy, that all that we are doing is uh, within not only the domestic sphere of India, mm. but that it is a part of and draws strength from our constitution. For example, let's take the farmers. I'm clear in my mind that the farmers' laws is completely and squarely within the domestic sphere of India. That it is for us to decide what will be laws relating to Indian agriculture. Yes, yes there are certain commitments that we have made abroad, we made to WTO, etc., as part of the international community. But these relate not to our domestic operations of how our agriculture will run here, mm. but how will agricultural trade with countries abroad be, uh, be managed. So, to my mind, the criticism that was made mm. on the laws uh, is uh, by foreign governments or foreign political leaders was inappropriate. But the question is, how do you handle that criticism? Yes, of course, yeah. Do you turn your back on it? Mm. Or do you have a process of engagement? Mm. That, to my mind, is the first issue that has to be focused upon. Minister Jayashankar's response to the reports does raise the following question. When is a response required by the centre? On 8th March, the High Commission of India in London condemned a debate among some British lawmakers on an e-petition, which gained over 1 lakh signatures. Over the right of peaceful protest and freedom of the press in India amid the ongoing farmers' tour against the three farm laws. In its response, the Commission stated, and I quote, We deeply regret that rather than a balanced debate, false assertions without substantiation of facts were made, casting aspersions on the largest functioning democracy in the world and its institutions. Now, Indian governments in the past have been very cautious in making their opinions clear on democratic faults of another country or human rights under threat. However, it has raised criticism when it deems fit. The most recent case being that of the Myanmar coup. India's statement on Myanmar and its response to the UK parliamentary debate does raise the following question. Should and does India differentiate criticism when it comes from countries and from non-governmental organisations? Mr. Karju Vezan. Himmat, uh, uh, as uh, I've written in, uh, in an article which has been carried in the Quint today, there are three mm. different uh, situations. One is a situation relating to states. Mm. India itself. Uh, as a democratic state, uh, has uh, implicitly always sought to see that democracy flourishes. Uh, we don't impose our views on uh, what political system a particular sovereign country should follow. Mm. But uh, as I've written that in the case of Myanmar, following the coup, India has expressed great concern at the, the developments in Myanmar and has express the clear desire that the democratic process there uh, must be uh, preserved and that uh, Myanmar should return to the path, uh, the democratic path that uh, it had pursued till this coup had taken place. Now, so uh, uh, that, to my mind, indicates that when it comes to states, uh, India feels that, uh, yes, if there is uh, some uh, criticism from another state, as long as that is honest criticism, India, uh, it doesn't question the legitimacy mm -hmm. of from where that, uh, uh, that's, that uh, criticism is originated. It doesn't say you have no right to 
to say this. Mm -hmm. It then says that, that it, and rightly in many cases, it says, points out that that criticism that you are leveling is wrong. Mm -hmm. But it is not, it sort of doesn't say, dismisses it that I will not, mm -hmm. uh, I will not even respond to it. Mm -hmm. Second is criticism that emerges from UN bodies relating to human rights. Yes. There too, yes. India doesn't question the right of these organizations to point out infirmities in the Indian system. What it does is rightly put its viewpoint across and often and correctly contradict what they say uh, the human rights head is saying. Mm. Recently, uh, the uh, uh, the chair of the U uh, United Nations uh, Commission on Human Rights had made con observations on India, on the farmers' laws, etc., on the erosion, so-called erosion of democratic rights, and India, the Indian representative had criticized her position. And, mm. But he didn't say that you have no business to say this. Yes. I think when it comes to international civil society organizations, it seemed to me from the remarks that you mentioned with Jay Shankar, with mm -hmm. Minister Jay Shankar made, it seems to me that he was questioning their very right to make these observations. He said, you have no business to say. So there is this distinction that he was yes. making. Far from meeting those arguments, he said, you have no business to make these. Who are you? Yes. You are being motivated. And you are hypocrites. Yes. So these are the distinctions that we are making. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, should India adopt this policy? Till now, this government has consistently said this. Mm. Uh, I recollect last year, uh, I think it was in the beginning of last year or the end of 2019, perhaps, that Jay Shankar in a, in a conversation uh, uh, with one of India's premier uh, scholars on, of international relations had said that uh, India's reputation, or words to the effect that India's reputation is not made by uh, a newspaper in New York. Mm -hmm. He was essentially expressing the view that uh, that we don't have need to engage them. Mm -hmm. Why should we engage them? He had adopted the same position when it came to some American lawmakers. He had even refused to attend a meeting of, I think uh, it was the uh, Congress, US Congresses, yes. the House of Representatives uh, Foreign Affairs Committee, because there was some other person, I think it was Pramila Jaipal, who was to be present there. He said, I'll not come and meet you. Now, the question is whether that policy is the right policy. This government feels that that is the right policy. Mm -hmm. My experience shows that to the extent possible, there should be engagement. Even while we know that there is an awful amount of hypocrisy in these things. Mm -hmm. There's no doubt about it. I mean, these are, as I wrote in my article, that uh, there's much merit in what Jay Shankar says about mm -hmm. these international organizations. After all, uh, we know where the funding of these organizations comes from. Mm -hmm. The question is whether we should be just dismissive that I won't, that we won't engage them, or whether we should actually try an engagement or academically expose them. Mm -hmm. 
so these are different strategies that can be that can be followed and uh, while uh, you know it's it's uh, in some cases you've got to be dismissive where you know something is completely motivated mm -hmm. but i don't think it's helpful why because many okay on many occasions the views of these organizations or ngos inform or are feed into the thinking of political personalities in western society mm -hmm. so if you ignore them they come back to you mm -hmm. like in menendez case after all the points he is making in that letter to austin are similar to what these people are saying the letter from senator menendez does shadow defense secretary austin's visit to india which is supposed to take india's military relationship with the united states several notches higher and also help further enhance india's defense against the combined china pakistan threat india's current war fighting strategy does come under the broader us defense umbrella which is the us pentagon's multi domain operations war fighting concept indian army chief general mm naravane in a virtual address on 24th february also highlighted the same and that the indian army is preparing for future combat on that same concept in the letter senator menendez stated and i quote us india partnership must rest on adherence to democratic values so should india tread carefully during secretary austin's visit mr kadju believes that the us has to be mindful of india's interest and the same goes for india as well look uh, there is a coincidence of strategic interest between india and the us so it's not only that india needs the us and the us has no need for us no mm -hmm. we are a big power we are a major power mm -hmm. and uh, given that i think uh, the us has to be mindful of india's concerns and interests mm -hmm. just as we have to take into account us interests and concerns so yeah. i don't think that that uh, these observations will uh, erode the uh, strategic partnership that is between india and the us but mm -hmm. certainly if the us government starts feeling that uh, it will be criticized at home for not raising mm -hmm. questions relating to perceptions of the human rights situation in india the us government will raise them publicly i'm not so sure whether defense secretary austin will do it now mm -hmm. during mm -hmm. this visit he well might say that this is not the pentagon's concern it's the concern mm -hmm. of some other branch of the uh, of the us government but the very fact that it has been the letter has been leaked mm -hmm. on the eve of his visit mm -hmm. is meant to draw attention that in significant sections of the us foreign policy establishment there is concern and the of the biden administration there is concern in the democrat party there is concern on certain aspects of how of human rights now i'm not saying that these concerns are right and that india should not that the government should not uh, should accept that they are right far from it but we can't be uh, not cognizant that there are these concerns Now a major highlight of the letter was Senator Menendez urging Secretary Austin to make it clear that India's planned purchase of the Russian S-400 missile defense system quote unquote threatens not only the risk of sanctions under the countering America's adversaries through sanctions act 
but also the future of bilateral defense cooperation. Given the plain nature of the statement by the chair of US Senate Foreign Relations, should India go ahead with the deal, given that it may threaten losing ties with the superpower? Mr. Kaju weighs in. Of course, India should. As I told you, the US has to be mindful of our interests and our security yes. interests yes. and our security-related decisions will not depend on on what the U.S. thinks is right, but will ask sovereign decisions relating to, to India itself. And it is here precisely that we expect that the U.S. foreign policy establishment and security establishment will not treat us as a junior part, but as an equal part. And that if our interests, our security interests are served by getting a weapon system or a defense yes. system from a source other than the U.S., so be it. We will do it and we must be... I can't even conceive of our giving in on this because, and it is here, Menendez was completely wrong. He has no business. Mm -hmm. if, yes. he's, if he's saying this, well, he should realize that India will not listen to him. Mm -hmm. So when core security interests are concerned, obviously we've got to stand firm, right? But even here, these points that I've, I've mentioned to you can be mentioned mm -hmm. by... Uh, by our diplomats, etc., to people of this in the U.S. foreign policy making establishment that look, these are our interests. Mm. Just as we respect your interests, you have to respect our interests. Yes, this is the give and take of international diplomacy. Mm. But that doesn't you say engagement doesn't mean coming under pressure. Engagement doesn't mean uh, that you uh, you endorse what the other man is saying. What mm. engagement is a part of uh, acknowledging that, yes, uh, you are expressing some concerns. I have concerns. And like civilized people, we will come to the table and discuss. Try to uh, uh, explore these things rationally and logically. When U.S. Uh, administrations and successive U.S. administrations uh, core interests were concerned. They were quite happy to sup with the, the most venal of dictators. So there too it was hypocrisy. See, after all, if you see uh, U.S. relations with Pakistan, what does it, it indicate? Was, was the U.S. upset when, when Pakistan uh, turned its back on democracy in 1958 and Ayub Khan came in? No. Didn't the U.S. accept all Pakistani dictators? and dealt extensively with them and intimately with them. So this too is hypocrisy. I'm not saying yeah. that. There is, of course, a certain element of when interests get uh, get involved, mm. then uh, you can say this is hypocrisy. But, but the point I'm always making is that dismissive approaches can be counterproductive. Engagement is sometimes better and more fruitful. The letter from U.S. Senate Foreign Relations Committee clearly shows the resurgence of the use of soft power diplomacy, which was the overarching method used in President Obama's administration. However, the question still exists. Should India reconsider its approach and engage in foreign critics such as Menendez? If you liked listening to this episode, please subscribe to The Big Story for episodic updates. We're available on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, GeoSavan, and most of the other popular podcast streaming platforms. For other podcasts, please log on to the Quinn website and for any feedback, please shoot an email to podcast at thequinn.com.
Thanks for listening. Log on to the Quince website and check out our other podcasts. 